Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show, Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Dice Company is a sweary, brutal, violent podcast which deals with adult themes. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Welcome, one and all, to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism, and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom, and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this group of people. Group of people, please introduce yourselves and give the audience one fun fact about your characters. I'm suspicious. That was really short. You criticised me for a long intro last time? I go short this time. Oh, I see. <laughs> uh, okay, well, hi there. My name's Charlie. I play Vanda Finnick. And my fun fact for this week is very few torturers are truly proficient in the art of destroying body and mind. But as you know, Vanda was unfortunate enough to meet such a prodigy. Uh, for months, he experienced unimaginable suffering that broke pieces of him humans do not have names for. Though he wouldn't admit it, he has poor sight even in the one eye left to him. Things are changing, though. Something is troubling Vander. He's enjoying the book he found because he can see the letters. Impossibly, Vander's sight is improving. Interesting. It's just way out of character for Charlie and Vander to come up with something so good as that. I've employed a ghostwriter. <laughs> Obviously, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that must be clear. That was That was superb. That was really good. Really good. Hello, I'm Alex and I'm playing Augustus Zeno. And my fun fact this week is that Augustus can't swim. Mother said it was undignified for a gentleman to splash around half naked. And as a result, Augustus has never, with the exception of frequent warm baths, been submerged in water. He was nearly submerged in water when a large octopus was close to dragging him into a lake. But as we know, that didn't happen. So we didn't have to see Augustus not being able to swim. Are we running a sweepstake because he's definitely death by drowning? Yeah, it's just a question of what episode, isn't it? Yeah. What are we on now? 12? <laughs> 12. Maybe episode 12. <laughs> <laughs> that was absolutely amazing. I particularly like the mention of mother. Yeah, I didn't go for his mother. I went for mother. She is a proper noun. Oh, my word. We are due for two again. We could be on for another perfect intro. Russia is... On. Hello, I'm Dave. I'm playing Benny. In a previous episode, Benny received a gift from Toc for Lenny. And Benny was absolutely delighted by this gift. But lying awake in his bunk at night, he's been trying to work out what the hell Toc's angle is. After many hours, he's come to the conclusion that maybe Toc doesn't have an angle. Benny is deeply uncomfortable with this idea. <laughs> Hashtag Toc's a sweetheart. Yeah, is it not just that Tox's sweetheart? Is that not the angle? Benny's experience is that everyone's always got an angle. Mm. So he <laughs> literally can't handle a sweetheart. Mm. Oh man, he's going to be devastated when the betrayal happens. Yeah, uh, when he finds <laughs> out. <laughs> Tox actually a confidence trickster. <laughs> this whole thing has been a ruse. He's just three small children in a large, oversized <laughs> metal man so, suit. Suddenly he's got a deep south accent. <laughs> Howdy. From Nebuchadnezzar. Uh, yes! <laughs> i love it excellent and with absolutely no pressure at all sweetheart talk round us out 
Hi, I'm Harry. I'm playing Toc. And Toc's angle is he has been trying to work out why the humans tolerate existing within such a cruel empire. Many suffer under but a few. Toc theorizes that there must be obedience pheromones, as with ants and collective insects. Thus far, though, the pheromones have eluded his efforts to detect them. Augustus and Vander are both from the ruling castes and so should admit this pheromone. Despite being of the servile caste, Benny's behaviour indicates uh, faulty obedience receptors. Perhaps Benny's disobedience can be further researched and used against the Empire. Good God, I see the whole actual world in a totally new way. <laughs> that was absolutely incredible. If Benny was suspicious of Tok before, he's going to be much more suspicious when he wakes up to find Tok studying him in, in the wee hours of the morning. Tok trying to clean out Benny's nose with his spear. <laughs> He'll mess, it's fine. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Why are you poking me in the eye with a spear? Absolutely incredible. Well done. Moving on, let's crack on with the next chapter of Dice Company. Last time, the party returned to the airship for the Sterling to spend a couple of days' downtime reading books, training, performing lobotomies, and taking Lenny the dog for a walk. From there, you made your way in the pouring rain to the location of the X on the map, which signified the entrance to the fabled Tomb of the Wanderer. Entering, you were met with an arcane projection of Elias the Wanderer, who promised you arcane items and powerful knowledge if you could traverse the traps and conundrums of his tomb. Showing your standard ultra-conservative approach, the same approach that you'd take to anything more threatening than a mosquito buzzing around you, you discovered that every trap was sprung. You continued to study them anyway. Carefully moving further into the pitch darkness of the tomb, you answered a number of riddles and entered a room with a grandfather clock. A quick investigation led to the discovery of a gelatinous cube guarding two chests. As the blob-like creature slowly moved into the room, the grandfather clock ominously began to tick. Everyone roll initiative. We're screwed, aren't we? 19. 10. Top got 16. 5. That's not a number you want to roll while standing next to the gelatinous cube. But uh, I, I spotted the gelatinous cube and jumped away, presumably getting a free round or something. Based on the dice, you spotted the cube and froze. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the order will be Vander, Tok, Augustus, gelatinous cube, Benny. Vander, top of the round. Okay, probably ill-advisedly, Vander looks at the clock, hoiks his cane up, thinking to himself, risk it for a biscuit, raps on the button. So you, you push the button and the clock timer hand skips back to its original position and then continues to tick. Don't press that again. Are we thinking that the cube will sort of disappear or something when that time's down? No, absolutely not. Do we think do we think good or bad things happen when the timer runs out? Only bad things. Hopefully the door will open, but uh, yeah, it might. <laughs> the dungeon fills with vomit. I'm going to hold a spell for when I can see the blob, which presumably is going to gelatinate outwards. Tok. Tok's going to um, move down away from the darkness cube and push Benny back to safety. Tok, moving quickly south away from the gelatinous cube, grabs Benny, picks him up in his strong metal arms, and hurls him 15 feet to the west. Benny, alarm. 
<laughs> and, as, and as I fly through the air, I think to myself, what's Tox angle here? <laughs> Obtuse. <laughs> I will interact with the environment. Um, so Tox's going to take a vial from his bag and uh, with a little vial of acid. In fact, Vander will recognize it from the airship. It's one of like his uh, crystal decanters. He takes this filled with like a, a greenish bubbling liquid and throws it on the floor in front of the gelatus cube where it smashes into a little puddle that like fizzing and bubbling on the floor. Yeah, Van, Vander's not annoyed by that. He's interested by this new development. Augustus, I can't see the cube. I will stand where I am next to Tok, making a sort of fighting line, letting our bowman and spellcaster go behind us. But you can hold an attack so that if it comes within five feet of you, you can attack it at that point. Hells, yes, please. The gelatinous cube begins to change shape as it slurps its way through the door into the corridor. Oh man, I can see it now. 2d6 acid damage, which is only five. You can hear a kind of fizzing as it moves over the acid you've thrown. It does not stop in any way. It is a mindless creature. Or it has deep inner pain, like Augustus. Vander, would you like to cast your spell? Augustus, would you like to take your attack? A hand of Vanders whips out and three darts fly out in the direction of the gelatinous mass. Twelve. Very nice. So Vanders' cane goes up, the three red darts fly out like machine gun bullets, smashing into the gelatinous cube's side. It kind of ripples under the impact. I would like to use Thunderous Smite. Oh my god, this is awesome. You're actually using class skills. I love it. Hello. Hitting in with a rapier, I guess. 25, that's going to be a hit. Was that a crit? De- <gasps> that. Oh, my word. He pulls it out when he needs it. Oh, my word. So you will double the damage of your rapier and you will double the damage of your thunderous smite. Can you smite on top of that as well? Yes, you can. <gasps> Are we about to get inspired by Augustus You again? might be inspired. I think <laughs> I'm inspired by Augustus <laughs> at this point. So um... It's about to become a gelatinous puddle. I was going to say, it's going to go up like a party balloon. <laughs> Excellent tactical player as well there uh, from Augustus. So I'm going to need you to roll your damage dice and double it, then roll 2d6 thunder damage and double that, and then you need to roll, if you want to, use Divine Smite and double that, and then add your strength modifier. Nine. So that's 18. I have to keep a running tally of all the damage he's doing. That's only a three. 2d8 for a first level slot, plus 1d8 for each slot higher than a first. So 2d8. So 2d8. Good grief, four. Uh. Okay, so that is six doubled to 12, three doubled to six, four doubled to eight, and then adding three, which gives you a grand total of 29 damage. Oh my God. An enormous <laughs> rings around the tiny room you're in as the gelatinous cube is shoved back into the wall, which it hits with a splat. But it's still alive. It's still alive, but it's looking a little bit ropey now. You see Tok just like silently look around at you and just move back slightly. It's okay to be impressed, Tok. Oh, and you're all inspired. Ah, Benny. So I'm going to uh, take my cue from my attacking fellows and get into uh, archery formation behind them. Uh, reach for my poison-tipped arrows and loose one at the gelatinous blob. Fifteen. Is it? Roll for damage. Ten piercing. Benny, one of your arrows whistles between Augustus and Tok, smashing into and being absorbed by the gelatinous cube, but it definitely takes 
damage when you do so. The clock has ticked down a further six seconds, and all of you hear a very slight whistling sound as all of a sudden flame burst out of the wall. Oh, shit. Well, the traps have not been uh, deactivated. Oh, my God. Okay. Benny, can I have a dexterity saving throw, please? 26. As natural 20. That is as the jet of flame bursts out of the wall, just catching Benny on the shoulder. Uh, Benny, you roll to the side and are able to put out the flames on your shoulder, taking minimal damage. So you would take two fire damage, please. Vanda. Still considering the clock, I'm going to wrap it again. My bonus action. As you push it, the clock resets and the flames all stop. I shout, keep hitting that button, Vanda. Holding my cane there, I reach my hand out in the direction of the lob again. And fire mind spike. Has it got a mind to spike? <laughs> I was just wondering that. Does it feel sad as well? It <laughs> <laughs> will in a minute. 12 is a hit. Rolled for damage. That's 1d10, I think. It is. Which sounds pathetic given the last few rolls. <laughs> Eight. Nice. Very nice. Reaching out, unaware of if this creature even has a brain, because you certainly can't see it, you attempt your mind spike and you see the creature quiver against your attack you don't get any kind of information back from its brain you're not even sure if you've identified where the brain is but you've definitely damaged the creature oh tock is going to ready his spear look at it in a slightly odd way have like a small internal crisis of confidence and then instead of attacking he's going instead use his shield to brace he's going to prepare a grapple action for if this thing comes any further forward to try and halt it before it overruns augustus and himself you trying to do a one-person spear phalanx? Yeah, basically. Well, I mean, Augustus is there to help. <laughs> well, historically, that really pays off. <laughs> My word, that's awesome. Someone has very recently just invaded his mind and eliminated all his knowledge of how to use the spear. So, it's step one of the training. I think it's a bit early to ask if it's paying off. Augustus. I will step forward and hit the thing. Swing away, dear boy. Swing away. Fifteen. Is a hit. Roll for damage. Nine. Augustus, please tell me the story of how you kill the gelatinous cube. Oh my. I slash into it with my rapier and a huge hole opens in it and it fires around hilariously around the room like a balloon released. And after making all kinds of hilarious farting noises, it flops to the ground like an empty balloon. Having landed like a sad balloon, uh, it begins to melt. You're out of combat. Vanda, you still have your cane on the button of the grandfather clock. I should note that even the very easy action of holding my cane against the button because it's above my shoulder height has caused me to sweat profusely and I'm now shaking. That that all the fire that just got shot into the room. The fire is also a factor, yes. <laughs> what would you like to do? Gentlemen, can someone help me, please? Vanda says, while starting to shake violently. That feels like a steady hand of talk job. He's not going to shake, is he, if he has to stand and hold his arm up? Thunder, what is it you seek to achieve? Place your hand on the button, please, Tok. Thunder says through clinched tooth. Okay, Tok will go over and place his hand on the button, but it will also ask, Thunder, why? Thunder relents from his pressing of the button, leaning heavily on his cane. Thank you, Tok. The reason I would like you to place your palm on the button is I fear gouts of flame may engulf our party if we release it. Well, why don't you take your hand off for a minute, see if it's carrying on ticking now that blob's gone, because 
realistically, we can't hold on to the button forever, can we? How adventurous, Vanda says, as he hobbles towards the centre of the room, away from potential flames. Tock will test it by taking his hand off the button for a, for a couple of seconds. Uh, as you do so, it, can, it begins ticking down once again. Excellent! While that's going on, can I can Augustus try this door? You try the door, it's very thick and reinforced with metal. You can see no keyholes, just a simple ring to turn to try and enter, but it is locked. Okay, and I call back to the other guys. Uh, gentlemen, does anyone want to investigate these? It's two chests, right, in the corners here? Correct. Two chests. Oh, two chests you fear could be traps. I'll be right along. Thanks, Benny. Bring up the food taster. <laughs> the chests are unlikely to have been disturbed. The gelatinous cube was still in place. True. Right. Can I have a look at these chests to see if I think they are trapped? Augustus boldly steps back. Give me a perception check, please. Eight. I think they're fine. Yeah, you do. As far as you can tell, these are fine. Not even locked. Not even locked. What are the chances? (laughs) Sign says, open me, friend. I will carefully open the chest to the north. As you open the chest, it creaks loudly. Inside appears to be a glass staff. There are also two clips on the lid, which held a weapon of some kind, but that weapon is missing. Reach in, attempt to remove the glass staff. As you put your hand on the glass staff, you feel a slight vibration as it changes shape to match the exact shape of your short sword, but made of glass. This is weird. Got something weird here. Not sure I like it. But it might be really good. I don't know. Ugh. Right. So I kind of whip my hand away and step back, almost expecting something bad to happen. Augustus will step in and attempt to open the other chest, seeing that Benny is basically dead man walking at this point. Has, has anything bad happened to me yet? Nope. I mean, it's a matter of time. Augustus, as you open the other chest, uh, inside is a small collection of gold coins, 40 in total. Uh, I... Are you just troubled by what to do with such a small sum of money? Pocket change? <laughs> How quaint. <laughs> I do like to tip the servants, but I also wonder about the wisdom of picking up money. Uh, and Augustus, being a cautious fellow, doesn't see, doesn't care enough about 40 gold to pick it up from a possibly cursed chest, so he leaves it where it lies. What's in it, Augustus? Is it empty? You don't seem to have got anything. Looks like some gold coins, Benny, but I fear in an accursed dungeon that it may not be wise to collect the coins. You're leaving money in a chest. You're leaving 40 gold in a chest. Well, yes, and sometimes it's not worth carrying it, is it? Not something done you've got to do yourself, and you? So I go over and attempt to retrieve the 40 gold. In my experience, if you want something done, you need someone else to do it for you. (laughs) Please add 40 gold to your coin purse. I hope they turn into flesh-eating scarab beetles. So, gentlemen, step away from the walls or to places you think were safe the last time the fire came, and we are going to have to let that clock run. And Benny not open the locked doors. He has had some luck in this regard in the past. Well, it does seem like a better option, doesn't it, than hoping we don't get burnt alive. Maybe try that one first. So I, I go to the door and have a look at it, see what I can make of it. As I said before, there is no keyhole with which to put in thieves' tools. So realistically your only option would be brute force but it is reinforced with metal right lads we're back to plan b take your hand off the thing and hope we don't get burnt alive because i'm not getting through this door Tok will take out the crowbar from the bag of holding and say say, we could attempt the universal key all right then i'll i'll swap you so i come down here to take over Tok's spot at the button 
Tockle, um, I take a quick glance at uh, Vander and say, uh, Vander, which door should I attempt to open first? I think the furthest north. Okay, Tockle, walk up to the door and with a crowbar, try and pry open the door. Please give me an athletics check. Again, there is a magical blue crackle to uh, Tock's armour and he rolls a 25. Sticking the crowbar into a small wedge in the doorframe, the rest of you see Tock glow slightly blue as he pulls with all of his might. The crowbar snaps and the door opens. Please remove crowbar from your inventory. Your armour, Tock, is truly fascinating. There's Vanda, his calculating eye roving over the armour as it ceases to gleam. Gentlemen, through the door quickly. Benny, let go of the clock and follow us through. You all sprint out of the room at high speed, and behind you, you begin to hear the flames licking out. As time passes, the flames become bigger and bigger. Roughly 20 seconds after you left, the flames then stop, and you hear mechanism in the door clicking to unlock. I think that was still worth it. I mean, all we would have had to do is survive being in a room entirely full of fire for 20 seconds. <laughs> so you guys uh, now find yourself in a narrow corridor. Directly ahead of you is a collapsed piece of wall. Looks to have been a complete cave-in. Almost impossible to get round. But to the west, there does appear to be another way around. I suggest we proceed with caution. Oh, I suggest we proceed recklessly. <laughs> I've got a really small ball of light around Augustus. Tock gave you a small glowing crystal. Founder's basically got the same thing, but it's a little rag with some glowing oil on it. I'm on an adventure. (laughs) (laughs) That's right, Idaho. Put the people with the uh, trap ability and the light sources in the lead, or? Uh, Yes. So with Tock and Benny in the lead, you can see an area that you recognise. This is obviously a loop that is taking you back to the area that has the bedroll and the put-out campfire. That was a lovely diversion, wasn't it? Benny's still carrying that glass sword. He is. Benny, is that the weapon you found in the chest? Yeah, that's right. I don't know what to make of it. It was a staff before I picked it up. It changed form. That's right, yeah. May I inspect it? Yeah, yeah, Kushkin. Kushkin. I know. Talk and give it a, a quick look. He'll pick it up and... Do you want to take a short rest to, to identify it? Is that like an hour? Yeah. I'm happy to do a short rest. Uh, there are some exotic cheroots in this room, <laughs> if I remember correctly. Surely we should be pushing on rather than hanging around in a heavily booby-trapped cavern. Adventuring's tough work, Banda says. I know you had to press the button twice, didn't you? It were, uh, my point is, we've established that this place is very much booby-trapped, so would we not rather spend as little time as possible in it? I agree, Benny. And we might also discover the properties of your sword if you attempt to stick it in something. I agree. Haste is key. Although this area may be the safest to rest, Tok says, pointing at the bedroll and stuff. Camp has been set up. Tactics, friends. Tactics, says Vander while lighting his cheroot. You can't rush these things. And he takes out a chocolate bar. I Presumably the uh, masticating sounds are truly appalling in the acoustics of this room. Oh, yeah, they echo all around. I mean, at least that should drive away anything that might be coming to find us. <laughs> it? A gummy smile from Vanda. It looks like we're taking at least a short break. So, Tok, why don't you look at the sword? Tok will do some investigations. Benny hands you the glass sword, which immediately changes shape into a spear. Interesting. Give me an investigation check, please. Uh, 27. Whoa. Is that a natural 20? <laughs> it is. 
<sighs> okay. This is an item of defense. It changes shape to match whatever weapon or item the user normally carries. It is a 10 charge magical item. For one charge, you may cast Mage Armor. For two charges, as a reaction, you may cast Shield. At the end of a long rest, you regain D10 charges. If, before you have a long rest, you use all 10 charges, you must roll a D20, and on a 1, 2, or 3, the glass item shatters. I say, what, what do you reckon, Antok? Magic? Cursed? Useful? It is magic. It has defensive properties. And he'll relay the information that he's gained to everyone. Toku, I'm assuming part of the uh, part of the investigations is he'll try and like scratch it with a um, with a small knife or a file, and I'm assuming that this thing is going to be more resistant to damage than a normal weapon being magical. Correct. To the point where you try and smash it against a wall and it does not break or in any way mark. After Tok relays this information to me, I say, um, "Tell you what, tell you what, Tok. Um, do you do you fancy keeping hold of that? Would that be would that be useful to you?" It would be a powerful boon to any one of us. Well, yeah. Well, you you have it then. You have it, and then um, then we're even, aren't we? Then we're even. <laughs> Looks uh, tilts his head sideways and says, "There are four of us, Benny. This is even." Yeah, that's right. That's right, Chuck. Yeah. Okay. Um. Oh, anyway, while we're here, while we're having a little rest, I've got some uh, some pocket change to share around with uh, Tok and Vanda. I distribute the, the the forty gold three ways, so um, thirteen to each of you, <laughs> and I do it very ostentatiously, very openly in front of Augustus. But Benny, mm -hmm. your distribution was not even. How do you mean, uh, Tok? It was odd. You distributed the coins three ways, not four ways. Yeah, Augustus didn't want any, so it certainly was odd, Tok. So Benny, having distributed the coins three ways. And as far as he's concerned, paid back his debt to Tok by handing him the glass item for Tok to do as he wishes. I'm going to toss three to Augustus and say, because there is such a thing as honour amongst thieves. If Augustus is accepting them, then Tok is going to follow suit. Seeing this, I roll my eyes and chuck him three as well. <laughs> Augustus looks at them, not... Worrying exactly about the fact that his equal share of 40 is nine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was some roguish maths from Benny there, I think, wasn't it? I love it. Uh, but Augustus looks at it and he's torn between being sort of forced to this humble acceptance of this, almost like a kind of handout. But he also does, he, he likes what it says about his teammates. So he nods to himself and pockets the money. A message appears in Augustus's head. Shitmates. Augustus winks roguishly at Vander. Uh, you guys then spend an hour uh, taking a short rest. Vander rises from the bedding, looking somewhat refreshed, and hobbles over to Tok. Tok, couldn't I possibly see the artifact? Indeed, Vander, and Tok will pass it over to him. As you hand it over, Vanda, you clasp it and it immediately transform into the shape of your walking cane. Ah! Do I have a glass walking cane? You do have a glass walking cane. The sound of my wooden cane hitting the ground reverberates off the walls as my new glass cane strikes the ground for the first time. I stub out my cheroot and turn back to Tok and say, well, that rather settles that, don't you think? 
Indeed, the defensive properties seem appropriate. I smile and nod to your feeble form. He's a romantic and an artist, his art talk. Also, I want to point out that I'm Idaho James with a glass cane. Doesn't get much better than this. This is what peak physical performance looks like. (laughs) Augustus definitely wants to talk to Idaho about part of this, but this isn't the time. So you guys uh, have had your short rest. You have investigated and distributed everything that you found in the gelatinous cube room. There is one door to the north of your current location. I guess north it is then. Should uh, Should we press on? Indeed. Yes. Given that we don't think this is about sneaking, Tok's our most robust and also has a good torch. So Tok, then Benny, then Vander, and then I'll bring up the rear in case we're attacked from behind. We've got our biggest and strongest at either end of the party. Agreed. Is Benny going to check for traps or does... I'll be like, Tok will uh, lead the yeah. way into the room once it's... Good idea. I'll have a quick check for traps. Oh, give me a perception check, please. <laughs> Whoever's in there is going to see us enter as a conga line. <laughs> <laughs> I am at my perceptive best today. That is a five. Uh, there don't appear to be any traps. No traps, lads. All looks fine to me. How many times, okay. by the way, have they asked you to check for traps? You've rolled single digits and turned around and said, no traps, lads. We're fine. <laughs> Pretty much every time you've, I've done a perception roll. Never make this guy a safety inspector. <laughs> so Tockle enter the room. You open the door, and before you is a small library room. You are hit with the olfactory sense of dusty tomes. It appears that most of the books are missing, but there are pieces of parchment scattered around the room. I wonder if they've got Sea Beast Takes a Lover too. Yeah, they say we've got to search for the sequels, right? Tuckle, wait for, for Benny to give this room the all clear on traps before he goes any further in. Safety inspector moves up. Uh, if you guys are investigating the room, then give me an investigation check at advantage. Tok will guide him with some uh, really annoying like uh, advice as he keeps on. Like Every time he goes to pick something up, he'll say, like, be careful, Benny. <laughs> check here. Thanks, Tok. Not done this before, so valuable. <laughs> we can add a d4 to that if you want. Uh, I'd like to, just, you know, just because. 29. Good grief. <laughs> I think, is that the highest roll of the campaign so far? It's up there. 29 investigation with a natural 20, no less. Very nice. And there's, and there's nothing to see, is there? Uh, Benny, you find uh, what appears to be a blueprint. It outlines the creation of a magical type of arrow, which is specifically designed to deal with creatures of the undead. It is an arrow of smiting. Each arrow is one use only and deals 1d8 damage. If the target is undead, they must pass a DC 12 constitution check or take 6d6 extra damage. In order to make it, you will need 4 days, 50 gold, and the ground-up teeth of undead creatures mixed with holy water. Okay, got that bit in last. A few days, yeah, okay. Yeah, a bit of money, yeah, okay. Oh, the ground-up teeth of undead. Are you saying you don't have the ground-up teeth of undead? Warriors, or whatever it was, in your back pocket. Not to hand. Not to hand. <laughs> oh, well, one for cooks and cooking. At least uh, Augustus has a uh, infinite supply of holy water he can make. So, having found the blueprints, you then can see what you can see small gaps in amongst the bookcases, small circular. And as you as you get close to them, you can hear a very gentle hissing. The hissing begins to get louder. Oh, I believe we've got some uh, fire holes here, lads. Get out of the way quick. And I start towards the door. Dexterity saving throws from everyone, please. 18 for Vander. 13 for Tok. 
Uh, 20 for Benny. Four for Augustus. <laughs> Famously de- dexterous from the great minus one throw of 2023. A spider wraps me up again. <laughs> this time it's mating with a squid while it does it. In many ways it's worse. Great. <laughs> uh, Benny, as you career towards the door having warned your friends the door swings open and you vanda and tok are able to escape the room with ease augustus however is a little bit too slow the the hissing sound reaches a fever pitch as one of the bookcases collapses under the weight of a giant snake which bursts through why must i always be wrapped up by a massive fucking monster I get way too much of this in my actual life. That is one enormous snake. <laughs> that is one enormous snake. All of you roll initiative. 12 for Benny. 8 for Augustus. 9 for Tok. Luckily, I've used all my magic. I guess we were all too busy getting away from what I thought was going to be a fire. I can confirm through the door that it's not a fire. It would be a fire snake. <laughs> Brilliant. <laughs> The large constrictor snake attempts to wrap itself around Augustus, but Augustus despite his lack of agility, is strong enough to push the enormous snake away. Um, you may now all act as a team. Well, I've already ha- I've already got the action of the, the hand action ready to go. So I guess if people are going to pile out through the door, I can slam it with my mind. Okay, I shall grab him, talk. I'll pull him forward through the door. And... Vanda, slam the door. I can slam it on the way through. Uh, yeah, done. Also, d- uh, DM, before you say anything else, I get as far away from the door as I am permitted to go. <laughs> <laughs> there are other doors <laughs> with more snakes behind them. <laughs> so Augustus, having fought his way out of a giant constrictor snake, is pulled through the door by Tuck as all four of you kind of bundle into a huge pile on the floor. Vander raises his glass staff and kind of thinks and the door slams shut. Uh, you hear a kind of heavy thud from the other side as the snake is obviously trying to get through but he's unable to break down the door right so i go out into the middle of the room and in a sort of defensive posture back towards the door the temperature is noticeably higher in this room than the others it appears to be a plain room there are two doors one ahead of you closed and one to the north which is appears to be damaged on the wall to the south inscribed in an exotic script is the phrase jibampri eshuplirinas does anyone speak Draconic? Yes, uh, Tox speaks Draconic. Of course he fucking does. Of course he does. Really, really talks to this. I had to check. There's, there's quite a few languages. Mm-hmm. Uh, Tox, you unbearable bastard. <laughs> <laughs> the phrase translates as simple. It's as easy as pie. As you say the words out loud, runes appear on the floor. They are runes for the numbers one to four, arranged in order in four rows. I don't know if we can do this uh, talk, but is it pi like a pi or pi like 3.141? Yeah, exactly. Can we tell that? You can't because draconic to common is not a standard translation. The numbers would suggest a numerical translation. I would suggest that we need to get a move on because it is getting hot in here. I'm not having any fun anymore. I'm not enjoying this. I'm starting to think that Elias the Wanderer might have been a bit of a prick. Quite possibly. Augustus uh, is going to try the non-damaged door to the west. It is locked. Uh, this is not a standard door. This is a stone door, uh, like a sliding door. Okay. Uh, and he also says, Tok, try the door to the north, because if it's damaged, Tok's our strong guy. He could potentially burst through, although obviously we need to be snake aware up there. Augustus, I would suggest that we stand upon 
the numbers that refer to pi three one four one. That's actually that's significantly better than what I said. Let's do that. So can we do it quick? Whatever it is we're doing. Top row three. I'm on the three. So someone goes down the one in the second row. So the left second row. Thank you. Uh, three one four. So yeah, and down to one. Talk. That's it. As you stand on the four numbers, the door to the west slides open. Good grief, talk is a brain. Go. Let's go. Feels kind of green in here. It looks quite different, doesn't it? Are we in a huge hall? Uh, can we shut that door behind us as we go? Just because I feel like in case the snake goes all velociraptor and learns how to open doors. Shutting the door I'm... behind you, you enter the largest oh. room you've encountered so far. In the centre is a pool of water surrounded by a number of stone columns. An eerie green glow permeates throughout the room, along with a strong smell of wet vegetation. Having stepped into the room, between the columns to the northwest, you see the apparition of Elias stood next to a large chest. Hello there, friends. Congratulations on making it through. You must have shown great intelligence, wisdom and bravery to reach this point. It is only adventurers such as yourselves who deserve the fruits of my wanderings. Please come over and claim your rewards. I, I whisper, I have learned not to trust Elias. That is, That feels far too easy to me. Right there. So I think we should go two and two around the edges of this room. I heard something about water in the middle. And uh, as you probably don't know, I'm not a big fan of swimming. Let's feel a bit squiddish in here, doesn't it? It has a squiddy vibe. Augustus. Yes, Doc? Would your poem you memorised have any relevance to this situation? Beneath the earth, a tomb of old, Elias the Wanderer's secrets hold. His sorcerer's might, a beacon bright, a treasury of knowledge of endless light. Yet beware the shadows that do deceive, false places where tricksters weave. Choose the path with utmost care. Elias' true legacy lies hidden there. Doesn't appear to be a way to avoid all the shadows in here, but around the edges of the room. His sorcerers might a beacon bright. Okay, so we want we want to get to the light, but beware of the shadows. This, mm, are we casting the shadows with our lights, though? Like if I move... Yes, yeah, so if we move... So let's not stand over those pillow shadow things. If we stay together, we don't... Yes, we don't cast shadows over each other. Yeah. So we go round the edges, sticking together. <laughs> we're, we're forming we're forming the sea cucumber again, aren't we? Good. The two and two plans changed. I'm back up front. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it looks like there's a, um, there's a corridor to the right here, to the east. We'll take a glance as we go by. Anything down there? As you look down, there is a smashed down stone door, similar to the one that you entered, but that has been destroyed. Just from the scale, this must lead to the room north of the last room we were in. Uh, do we investigate there or do we carry on? I think it best to carry on. Mm. Very well. Toko will lead the way to the west. Closer now, you can see a dead body is next to the chest. It is a woman, her skin pale and translucent, her eyes blackened even in this darkness. Whoever she was wore long red robes and her body is adorned with golden bangles. Her face has swirling black tattoos across it. Along with the body in the far northwest is a pile of rubble. So you can tell from the crumbled architecture that it is an archway of some sort. Uh, even in the darkness, you can see that it crackles with a little bit of blue energy. She doesn't happen to look like the um, Shadow Vanguard. And she does not look like the Shadow Vanguard. 
So the archway still crackles with blue energy. The, the collapsed archway, yeah. There isn't another one elsewhere in the room? There is not another one in the room. I approach cautiously. <laughs> Continue the sea cucumber. Um, has uh, Elias reacted in any way to our presence? He's beckoning you over towards and then pointing towards the chest. It's a nice, big, ornate looking chest. All right, Elias, what's the um, what's the dead woman doing there? She sadly failed the tests. The, pre- the preceding tests or the, or the tests to follow? I like to consider the entire tomb as one test. Were you this tedious when you were alive? Mm. Don't consider myself tedious. Think all things considered, you took that quite well. Probably what's the company's been dead for how many hundred years? Scared to drive people away. Sorry, continue. Uh, oh, he's moved out of the way. The the blue cracking cracklingness on the archway can Tox's gonna before he gets over where the dead person is, wants to try and work out what that is. Is it like electricity? Does it look like a trap that's been sprung? Give me an arcana check, please. Fourteen. This was previously a magical door. You recognize it uh, similar to the door that was created in your last fight against the Shadow Vanguard. Ah, but this is not the Shadow Vanguard who came through. It is not. Uh, this woman looks ancient. Tok is not particularly afraid of disease, etc. He'll uh, he'll inspect the, the corpse. I'm assuming death by whatever magical thing collapse that portal but he'll he'll have a look over feels like she's drunk from the wrong grail and aged yeah <laughs> and as you bend down to investigate her elias looks directly at you i wouldn't do that if i were you why don't you just take your prize caution would seem appropriate in this situation well honestly you've fought your way through this incredibly difficult tomb in order to gain the prizes and the power at the end of it and now you're wasting your time looking at a corpse. Explain the logic of that to me, Tin Man. Time is of less consequence than potential death. This person, presumably, was also seeking the prize, yet within five feet perished. Probably checking out the last corpse. The magical portal in the corner. Was this related, Elias? He smiles as he leans in closer, and you notice that there's a flicker of the energy that's surrounding him. And then, in an instant, he changes shape. Oh my god. What is that? There is an old woman before you. You couldn't just take the prizes, could you? Oh my god. The hushed one haunts my dreams. He won't let me go. He's coming for your souls, you know. He's rising. All the lights in the room, including your own, go out. As it almost immediately as it goes dark to call out and say Benny Vanda the spell may have limited range retreat out of range corridor to east quick Vanda starts shuffling backwards so as you're shuffling carefully through the darkness uh, you can hear disturbance in the water leading to cold wet slaps as things emerge <sighs> everyone roll initiative five Five. Eight. Oh, God. We are distracted with looking where we are going. Tok got 16. Okay, so Tok, you are first to act. From the water have emerged four figures as you've made your way out of the darkness. Ah, so the darkness has ended. Indeed. There are 
Four figures rising, one from each corner of the watery area. These appear to be undead. Three of them are the same. One of them looks slightly different. Weaker. Almost certainly. Yeah. Definitely, definitely weaker. Right. Tok is going to try and move in between Benny and this undead monstrosity over in the corner. And uh, he's going to stab it with his spear. Oh. Looking rather, again, like puzzled whilst trying to do this. And he rolls a 12. Which is a hit. <laughs> For six piercing damage. Tok, who very obviously looks slightly clumsy with the spear, having lost all of his ability to actually use it, channels the knowledge he was imparted by Vander and stabs down into the undead creature. It pierces directly through their chest. And Tok, you pull it back out as like water and innards slop out after it. But it doesn't seem to have slowed down the creature. From the southwest... You see a creature bounding through the water. The uh, disgusting, grey-skinned, drooling creature with white eyes lashes out at Augustus. Uh, The claws just ineffectively strike at your chest, but it then grabs you and attempts to bite you. Fortunately, Augustus is strong enough to hold the creature's forehead as it just snaps its sharp teeth in your direction. Augustus, your retort. My retort. I will hit the undead guy with the rapier, because that's what I do. 25, natural 20. <laughs> oh, Lord, that's a hit. Uh, so roll for damage and double it. Seven piercing, so 14. Pulling out your rapier with a flourish, you slash at the creature in front of you, dealing quite a bit of damage. It looks unsteady with its feet in the water, and it's stopped gnashing in your general direction. And now the other creature's turn. So one of them can't reach you, but the other two are going to attack Tok. Uh, and they're going to attempt to grab him, pick him up, and slam him on the floor. Hmm. The one on the left does not hit. And the one 19. That is a hit. Uh, that is six bludgeoning damage, please, Tok. One of the creatures kind of grabs at you, and as you move out of the way, the second gets in, lifts you up, and literally scoop slams you onto the floor. They appear to be professional wrestlers. Benny. Spenny kind of takes an instinctive, slightly horrified step back and then fires an arrow at this guy. Uh, 25. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. Uh, So 13 total piercing. Uh, Tell me the story. Firing from quite short range, Benny looses an arrow which whistles past Augustus's head and embeds itself into the zombie who lets out an unearthly moan as he slumps into the pool. Uh, It was actually a ghoul rather than a zombie. Vander! Uh, I am going to use Witch's Bolt, the one south of Tok. Um, I'm going to roll advantage because I'm inspired. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I have hit a 24. Please roll for damage. That is 10 damage. Uh, I want to explain how I do this, though. Making sure my fedora is not obscuring my one eye, I remove my whip from my hip and, uh, (laughs) referring to Tok, and shouting, he belongs in a museum. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to whip the arm of the zombie, and as I manage, as it raises its arm to catch the whip, lightning surges down the whip, attaching me to the zombie, but lightning coursing into his veins as a result. Lovely. The lightning crackling all over his body, and because the whip is still attached to its arm, you can continue to do damage into the next round. I certainly can. Beautiful. Beautiful. That's role-playing, ladies and gentlemen. 
I mean, it's a cheap knockoff of Indiana Jones, but we love it anyway. I know, James, <laughs> goddammit. <laughs> it's entirely original. <laughs> yeah. Looks like zombies have declared war on the James boys. <laughs> <laughs> Back to the top of the round with Tuck. Ah, Tuck is going to carry on attacking this zombie with a spear. That's another 14 to hit. It's a hit. Roll for damage. Only five this time. Nice. So once again, Tok, having learnt, unlearnt everything he knew about spear work, has now successfully hit with every attack with the spear <laughs> since then. I don't want to blow smoke up Vander's ass here, but he's obviously a hell of a teacher. Well, I reckon Tok just had a problem attacking living things. Ah. <laughs> Vander removed his sensitivity. <laughs> <laughs> so you hack at one of his arms, which falls off into the water. Augustus. Augustus will use the rapier again because I've got very little else I can do at this point. 13. Is it? Roll for damage. Five. So moving elegantly like the gentleman he is, making sure not to get wet from the water that is close by, Augustus raises his rapier and with a quick slash deals out some delicious damage to the zombie, uh, who looks basically relatively unaffected by it. We'll see about that. And now the zombie is going to attack back, attempting to pick up Augustus and slam him. They are professional wrestlers. 18. My AC is 18. It's a tie. Replay at a neutral venue? Mm, not quite. Uh, please take seven bludgeoning damage as you're scooped up and smashed onto the floor. That was the ref's back turned. Could you please give me a constitution saving throw? Something that I've famously done well on in the past. 15. Uh, it attempts to bite you while you're on the floor, um, but you push the head back. Okay, guys, I, I was overconfident here. Let's uh, hit him with a whip or something. The one who has been stabbed by Tok twice thinks better of it and moves out of the water to attack Augustus. I am catnip to zombies, apparently. So he attempts to blindside you and flank you, but is unable to do so as you deftly dance on the tips of your feet. The one with the electricity, the lightning, sorry, coursing through his body from Vanda is going to attack Tok. Nope, that's a fail as well. Obviously distracted. I was worried you'd been like charging him up or something. You're about to be hit by a giant Duracell battery. Yeah. <laughs> Benny. I decide might as well set up camp where I am, set my feet and shoot at this guy. Oh. 15. Is a hit. Roll for damage. A 10 total. Benny, would you like to tell me the story of how you kill this zombie? With the zombie's back turned to attack Augustus, he never spots Benny, who, from short range, embeds an arrow in the back of his neck. Horrible grey slime oozes from the wound as he slumps forward, ooze splattering all over Augustus. Yes. I, was, I'd left, I gave you enough time to ruin Augustus's clothes. <laughs> <laughs> Augustus thinks about that one extra gold coin that's now going to be required for the laundrette. <laughs> Vander. I am still obviously tied to the zombie, so with another flourish of the whip, I send another surge of electricity down into the zombie. Just roll the damage. Eight. So another round of lightning surges through the Idaho James whip. The zombie violently shakes, but he remains just on his feet. Back to the top of the round with Tuck. Okay, he's going to, for one of a better option, spear the Electrified zombie. Teamwork from Vander and Tok here. 15 to hit. Is a hit. Roll for damage. Five damage. Just enough. Tok, tell me the story of how you get your third kill. 
Tok will thrust with a spear, miss slightly, then just um, step in with the shield and punch the side of it into the guy's head. The zombie's head just like caves in slightly, doesn't bleed, and the thing just slumps. Lovely. Just just graphic and delicious. Excellent. Augustus, you may attack at advantage. Augustus has slightly lost his cool at this point because these creatures have behaved somewhat dishonorably and he also has a dislike of evil an almost religious dislike of evil i mean obviously he looks absolutely dashing and no one would know what he'd like to do is uh, kick this guy in his zombie balls (laughs) (laughs) that is allowed is it the action of a gentleman though i wonder to myself this is the gentleman who has lost his composure for a moment for a fleeting moment the uh schoolboy augustus is visible to you all if you can somehow divine smite kick in the balls i'd really like to see how that works <laughs> well, i can pop round and uh, <laughs> demonstrate that for you if you want please roll a d20 and add your strength and proficiency modifier to it so, uh, so 11 plus 5 16 is a hit I'm making you just make this up. As we no, go. no, no, it's a, it's a thing. So, um, yeah. <laughs> sorry, kicking the zombie balls is a thing, sort of. D- this this comes up in D and D from time to time. Yeah. So, so with your rapier <laughs> still in hand, you opt to kick as hard as you can into the zombie's nether regions, damaging it for one. The zombie looks for a moment somewhat confused, and there's obviously a. Tr- like a flicker of memory in his mind of how that should have hurt, but it doesn't. And he kind of instinctively goes to hold his balls before realizing it hasn't done much damage. Augustus gives him a curt nod to indicate uh, what's he trying to indicate. Augustus doesn't know what he's trying to do, really. He's just he's just making brash gestures now with no meaning behind them. Uh, the zombie attempts to uh, kick you in the nuts back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's that's an 18 again my ac i don't know what my testicle related ac is whether it's any different the thing about zombies is despite their slow nature they're quite strong so please take three bludgeoning damage to your balls (laughs) oh god (laughs) three bludgeoning damage to your balls i thought work was rough today jesus uh benny shaking my head in despair that augustus appears to have returned to his old ways (laughs) not quite as bad as pausing for a cigarette but you know not being as useful as he ought i wearily aim an arrow at the zombie not his balls then no (laughs) they could have been weakened though i mean an arrow in the balls right now would be a great way to finish this someone's balls have to win my balls are three one down at the moment 24 (laughs) is is a hit please roll for damage and add sneak attack 15 total leveling the arrow into the zombie's chest while Augustus is still kind of wincing in pain and the zombie is half wincing, but not really. You mentioned deal a huge amount of damage as the arrow rips through the zombie's chest, leaving a hole behind it. There is not a lot left of this zombie. So anytime you fancy doing it properly, Augustus, it's, uh, that's the approach. I mean, Augustus is in a kind of red mist at the moment. So that's a, that this needling from the peanut gallery is not making him feel calmer. Vanda. You said there's not much left of this zombie. There's not a lot left. Basically, if you can hit it... You can steal the kill. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm going to cast Mind Spike. <laughs> at Tok. Uh, <laughs> more training. I said forget that. <laughs> Your second lesson is the same as the first lesson. <laughs> Yes, yeah, so I'm going to cast Mind Spike, which is a Constitution saving throw for yourself. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. Uh, let's give that a go. 19. What does does that mean you actually stop me? Has someone actually successfully repelled Vander? Well, the mental faculties of a zombie was too much for him. It's a mindless zombie. <laughs> that is not cool. Vander calls up his whip in frustration. Tock. Tock will attack it. At advantage. Thank you for reminding me, because that means I might actually be able to hit the thing. Or not. <laughs> okay, with advantage, Tock manages to roll a nine. Is a hit. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> Please roll for damage. AC of eight, by the way. That'll be four piercing damage. Stock, please tell me the story <laughs> of how you improbably kill the zombie. The zombie, whilst it's like kicking um, Augustus in the balls, Tock just has his spear lowered. And as the leg comes back down, it just spikes itself on the spear. And as Tock's trying to like pull it loose and shake it loose, he... Um, yeah, just like whips the leg out from under it and it hits the ground, head hitting the concrete and splatting on the ground. Causes a fatal calf injury. Yeah. <laughs> he basically died kicking me in the balls. <laughs> he died doing what he loved. <laughs> I was going to say, he died doing what he loved. <laughs> oh, what a death. Having defeated the final zombie, the darkness in the area dissipates uh, and you can hear the visage of the woman cackling with laughter now fine take your prizes get out the archway will take you to safety and she vanishes in a puff of smoke uh is the archway that was collapsed before now not collapsed no it is not Ah. the chest opens and inside you find a battered suit of armor what appears to be a pale blue glass sphere a glass bottle filled with constantly moving smoke, and what looks like a tithe document. Weird. Huh. That's an odd thing to find down here. Isn't this place like from before the Empire entirely? Take the treasure out and have a look at it. I was going to say, now's not the time to investigate. We need to... Okay, Tockle, bundle it into the bag of holding. Okay, well, uh, Augustus has a look at the what should have been the exit. So having grabbed all the items out of the chest, the room begins to shake. Oh, oh no. So violent that pieces of the ceiling begin to crumble as dust falls. Hey, uh, Idaho, let's go. The remains of the archway spark with arcane energy before falling silent as the rumbling intensifies. Are there any other doors in this room apart from when we came in and this one in the top? Top and the bottom, isn't there? Yeah, top and bottom. Right, down this corridor, I don't think. We're just, just barreling. We're just barreling down it, aren't we? Who's running? Yeah. As you open the door, oh god, you peer through and you can see beyond a two-level room. On the higher level, right in front of you, curled up and gently sleeping, is a large, nine-foot-long cat-like creature with bluish-black fur. It has six legs and two furry tentacles which are rising out of its shoulders and swaying above its head. On each of the tentacles is a pad with sharp claws. Uh, about face, back to the other door. I believe that was a displacer beast. Uh, yes, Tuck, you recognise it as a omlacart, also known as the displacer beast. Uh, so we're back in the pie room, but we're going to have to go back via the snake, aren't we, if we go through that? Displacer beast was asleep. That might help. We could try and murder it in its sleep. Banda says, snakes. I hate snakes. <laughs> <laughs> Why is it always snakes? <laughs> Should we try the door to the north of the this pie room? Because it might lead us back to that beast anyway, but we might be in a like not so close to it because if it's, if it's right behind the door in that other one. Is this door unlocked, Mr. Tom? It certainly is. Augustus, can I have a stealth check, please? 
clanky clankerson here i come he is the, the stealthiest of us so that automatically did disadvantage and i've got a minus two stealth modifier thing but i somehow got 15. despite your clattering nature the displacer beast does not wake up the room itself has a collapsed rock fall at the end there appears to be no way out through that room snake is uh yeah gentlemen i think we have to take on the snake or at least run past it let's barrel in and fight the snake as you open the door you notice that the snake is desperately trying to get out of the room it is not facing in your direction let's try and sneak along the wall and get out of the room without the snake tuck will wait for everyone to sneak past him so that he's um going to be the last person out can i have a stealth check please vander you can do it at advantage 15 cool yeah uh, so you're able to sneak by augustus can you give me a stealth check 11 nice and benny give me a stealth check at advantage 22 beautiful yep uh, so you're all able to sneak by while Tok kind of guards your way through uh, the snake is still kind of slithering and writhing around desperately trying to find an escape route out of the room okay then uh Tok will follow you can either give me a stealth check or a athletics check i think he's gonna run for it rather than uh <laughs> give me athletics 13 Cool. Yep. You managed to get out of the room uh, without drawing the snake's attention. Uh, the rumbling has intensified as large chunks of the ceiling are now falling. We should proceed quickly. Quick, quick, quick. Is it west and south? Yeah. The traps have now been unsprung. You can hear the traps here are now spinning wildly. I'm going to need athletics checks for you to jump over this trap here, please. Ah, okay. Talk. <laughs> Talk rolls are four. Okay, please take five piercing damage. Eight. Uh, Benny, please take six piercing damage. Uh, Thirteen for Augustus. Augustus, you, you're able to vault over and you guys kind of spill into the room. Vanda, you notice ahead of you that the doorway beyond the trap is beginning to collapse. This is it, guys. Okay, right. I've got... All right. Okay, you ready? You ready? This is what I'm going to do. And I, I'm hoping that this description will give me an advantage. I'm hoping it's not a massive copyright infringement. I unfurl my whip, okay? And I'm going to swing over the traps. When I hit the other side, I'm going to go into a slide. And unbelievably, my fedora is going to fall off. But I'm going to reach back and snatch it up before the doorway closes. That's that's the aim. Can I have a athletics check and a acrobatics check? Okay, athletics. 19. You crack your whip over the top and swing over the spike trap. And then 13. And you slide on the other side as the door collapses, leaving your fedora <laughs> behind you. Just before the final collapse happens, your hand snatches back, grabs the fedora and pulls it in as the doorway collapses behind you. Vanda rises triumphant. Nobody's noticed. And unobserved, yeah. <laughs> um, these traps in front of us are now spinning wildly. Oh, that's annoying because there was a very round there, wasn't there? We should have made notes of what the dungeon looked like. I'm just going to try something again just very quickly. Appreciate this is probably going to end badly for me. I'm just going to just lash my whip in there and hope that it just gets fed into the mechanism and just causes them to, like, just, you know, clog. Okay, um, give me a athletics check please see if these bastards notice this or well, they're just gonna watch me lose my whip i don't know 18 uh you manage to whip one of the spinning top devices the whip causes a malfunction oh my god one down nine to go <laughs> okay so is there a sort of athletic or acrobatic way we could attempt to basically vault down the corridor there absolutely is well in that case just to like reduce the things can i try like just using my shield to like batter one of them to stopping 
yeah, you can do. Uh, give me, give me a strength check, please. Uh, so, uh, go athletics. Nineteen. Uh, using your shield, Augustus smashes it into one of the spinning tops, which breaks apart and crumbles inert on the floor. I mean, clearly he's that's the way. Tog will copy uh, copy Augustus there. Cool. Give me an athletics check, please. What the hell is going on? I do awesome whip stuff, which is not only completely relevant, but totally awesome. And then someone batters something with a shield and everyone's like, ah, that's a good idea. Augustus is actually loving uh, Vander's crazy Idaho James capers. He's enjoying it a lot. <laughs> um, top, top copies Augustus again with the uh, blue crackling um, light on his armor, rolls a 12. So you step in with the shield and the spinning top just lashes straight through your defenses, causing you six <laughs> slashing damage. Ouch. But it has broken it. Okay. Inspired by Vander's whip, can I try chucking a grappling hook at one of them to see if that tangles it up? Absolutely, you can. We're just yeah. using up all our kit now, aren't we? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. going to feed my backpack into it in a minute. <laughs> my luxurious tent is eaten by a spin. Uh, give me an athletics check, please, Ben. Quite low. Oh, yes, please. <laughs> he gets fed into the mechanism. Welcome he? to the minus one club, Benny. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. Minus one. I've never seen it before. I've never seen one in any other campaign before this. Uh, so Benny, inspired by Vander, wings his grappling hook at the next one, which just gets caught in the whirring mechanism and kind of spins round and round, dragging Benny directly into it, <laughs> um, inflicting 10 slashing damage. I'm a bit dead, team. And oh, knocking no. Benny down and out. Oh, my God. The rumbling continues as the mechanism breaks and huge chunks of the ceiling are now collapsing. Vander, this has got serious. Vander steps forward and levelling his heavy flintlock at the next, takes a point-blank shot. Eleven. You fire at the machine but it's because it's whirring so wildly from left to right, you're unable to get purchase on a proper shot, and it kind of just ricochets off the wall doing no damage. We're now going to drop into an initiative order because I need to do death saving throws for Benny. So, Vander, you have just been... The roll initiative? Uh, no, I'm going to let you guys choose because there is no enemy per se. Only <laughs> our own incompetence. I'm going to say Benny is last in the order and Vander is first. Augustus and Toki okay, can well, choose. Let me, because I've got okay. a simple thing to do next. I think I can do just as an action, lay on hands. Ah, perfect. I can heal Benny, basically. I'll give Benny 10 hit points then, I guess. Assuming that no one else is actually, let me give Benny nine because then I could at least bring anyone else up to one if they were to die. Yeah, so with Benny kind of a bloody mess on the floor and Vander firing wildly with his flintlock at the traps ahead of him and the roof threatening to collapse at any second, Augustus runs, sliding on his knees and places his hands over Benny's wounds. Uh, the rest of you see a kind of faint glow coming out of his hands. As Benny coughs, blood comes up and he awakens. If there's anything more I can do, I'm going to try and hoist, because Benny is now moved slow, I'm going to try and hoist Benny up on my shoulders, because Benny's only small, quite light, isn't he? Tok's going to fish around in his bag and take out a great club that uh, old um, Franz Hammer was um, was using. So it was like a, a big mallet thing, wasn't it? <laughs> it was. Um, Thank goodness Franz is here with us in the, in the dungeon. <laughs> uh, I was thinking of smashing the shit out of the next um, one of these um, poles, but I'm wondering whether I should carry Benny and you should do the smashing, but... That's all right, just let's smash, let's break stuff and get out of here. Okay, so Tok will try and smash that one. Cool, roll an attack. Uh, 21. 
Tuck, suddenly aware of the importance of the situation, charges forward with his great club drawn and just smashes it into the next spinning top. Benny, you are currently over Augustus's shoulders. Are you happy to remain there or would you like to get off? Okay, yeah, I uh, amber down and start painfully inching my way forward behind the other two. Uh, would you like to attempt to do anything? No. <laughs> Vanda! Annoyed by my first attempt, I take a step forward and pulling two spent cartridges from the heavy flintlock, I load another two, snap it shut and point blank fire at the next obstacle. For 22. Is a hit, yet blasting away you both destroy the spinning top trap. Augustus. Use the shield again to try and uh, smash this one. Yeah, athletics check. 15. Uh, Augustus successfully manages to destroy another one with his shield, tantalizingly close to the exit. Um, Tuck. Just by carrying the great club, we'll try and do that. Um, try and wad something in the uh, the gap um, cool. with his like pushing him with his spear to try and like stop the thing moving. Yeah, give me See a if, uh, let's go investigation. I think that's probably the best. Uh, he will, of course, guide himself. <laughs> <laughs> well, with his expert knowledge of spinning top traps. Um, <laughs> it's fine. It's fine. Go on, let's guide go yourself. Oh, for only one. Okay, well, that didn't help much. He rolled a 12. Uh, yeah, so, Tuck, you're able to find the track on which they kind of rotate uh, and jam the spear in, causing the next top to just spin wildly and then collapse. Uh, there is one remaining. Benny, it is your turn. I'll keep staggering forward behind the uh, the members of the group. Vander, Augustus and Benny, can I please have dexterity saving throws from the three of you? Oh, dear. 18. If you have advantage from uh, inspiration, this might be the time to bring it oh, out. I do. I haven't used that yet. I'm gonna. I'm gonna use that. Sixteen from me. Twenty-one. Um, as you're moving along the corridor, destroying the the traps, the corridor behind you begins to collapse. Um, you are able to all dive to safety just with the rolls you have made. There is one last trap, and it is Vander's turn. Not the brightest idea I've ever had, guys, but this is going to be awesome. I'm going to sacrifice myself, throw myself into the mechanism. and I'm going to dodge past the mechanism with a rope tied to me, which is going to then obviously jam up the mechanism, okay? And yeah, right I mean, before doing this, and this is why this makes complete sense, I'm going to take out my little manual, you know, the book I've been reading, and mutter some words. I'm going to mutter, only the penitent man will pass. Yes! Complete! I can't see any way this could go wrong. The complete adventure. We're about to watch Vanda just get eaten by, like, dragged into the machine. <laughs> Can I have an acrobatics check, please? And we are now doing this. Just so you're aware, it's 2d6 damage. If I roll double six, Vanda is going to die. Oh, and I don't mean he's knocked out. I mean he's dead. Oh, that's... I can't take it back there, can I? No, you cannot. Acrobatics what? check, please. I, I get tangling it up with a rope, but why would you tie the rope to yourself? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, a lot of stuff sounds like a bad idea now. I'd say this is a big role for you, Vander. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. Here we go. 13. You rolled an advantage again. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, ready? 17. <laughs> oh, my God. The sweet relief. <laughs> Vander ties a rope to himself. God knows why. Steps into the trap causing the trap to be gummed up he rolls past it he rolls past the trap just like <laughs> and it doesn't it goes over his head yeah, just like i know who james would have done <laughs> and the rope doesn't quite drag him back into the <laughs> mincer 
such an <laughs> unnecessary risk. That was the least intelligent thing I've ever seen. The tomb begins to collapse behind you as you guys rush back out into the cave. Go, go, go. And to safety. As you climb out of the entrance, the torrential rain pours down, creating a darker day above the normal. You guys clamber back out. The smell of wet earth is all around you. What are you doing? I'm taking a quick breather to uh, get another hit dice. I, uh, I'm also going to do that. Clever. I um, take a deep breath. I'm not in great shape. And... Uh, very quietly just go up to Augustus and say, um, Augustus, thank you. You're very welcome, Benny. And then being a gentleman, he's going to carry on quickly and not force Benny to kind of linger on this uncomfortable moment. Forward to one gold coin. You refer to the wager that it was not Bardal Trolls? Oh yeah, that's a good point. Uh, that was a wager between Benny and Vander. Benny said it was not Bartle Schultz. No, well, no, it wasn't Bartle Schultz. But yeah. Uh, gentlemen, I suggest we make haste back to the airship. We need to rest. Agreed. Yeah, second that idea. Perception checks from everyone, please. Heaven hells. 19. 12 for Augustus. 18. While you guys are chatting outside the entranceway to the cave, Tok and Vander, even in the darkness and the pouring rain, you sense a kind of shadow moving in the mountains above you. It's not close, but there's definitely something alive and moving and noticeable at range. And I should say Vander is now looking significantly reduced because he has managed a couple of feats of activity that really are beyond him. Gentlemen, there is something out there climbing towards us. Haste, I fear, is needed, even though we're weary. Tok will guide Vander in choosing a route to safety. Vander then chooses a route. If, if Tok and Augustus help Vander and Benny sort of go in pairs like that, we've got, you know, we can probably drag our weak and injured members. Assisting Vander along, Augustus says, Vander, there's a piece of Denothlian folklore, folklore from, from my homeland, that keeps coming to mind uh, in light of your endeavours on this quest. And they say in Denothlia that there are three stages to every man's life. There's the boy, who's playful. There's the young man, who's noble and idealistic. And there's the old man, who's wise or maybe cynical. And it seems to me that the wise and cynical face is often showing with you. But clearly the boy is still in there as well, as we see with Idaho James. And so what I wonder is, has your torture and your experiences at the hands of the Empire somehow killed the young man, the noble and idealistic man, and left the other two parts of your character alive? And then I further wonder whether it's possible to kill one of these three, or maybe only that it's possible to subdue one of them and bury them very deep. And if that's the case, I wonder if this young man, the middle man within you is still there to be found. Speak of many things, Augustus. I have seen horrors in my life and experienced torments you can barely fathom. I gave up many years ago on the pleasures of the flesh, by which I mean the simple pleasure of sitting down without wrapped pains. And yet... I confess I feel a change, something I can't fully describe. I feel less burdened than once I was. Perhaps 
every man needs all three of the parts of his character alive to feel alive and to feel without pain, regardless of what physical torment he's endured. Well, I confess I've studied the subject. Do I think it is possible to truly kill a part of the soul? No. You can change, and you can have changes forced upon you, but who you truly are, that is always a question for the future, and I feel that mine is changing. Vander stumbles here. He's clearly absolutely exhausted, but definitely felt something that caused him to move more fast and with more dexterity than he would usually have managed. An interesting point you make, Vander. I would say that damage is something that can be done quickly and violently. Growth happens slowly, like a seedling emerging from the soil. And at the, at the outset, it's always fragile. But perhaps if you feel the first signs of that, I would encourage you to nurture it and see where it goes. Wise words, my friend. But do not underestimate the power of damage. Damage can itself be the seed of growth. And Vanda laughs not entirely pleasantly at that. And Augustus says nothing more, but redoubles his grip on Vanda and leads him onward through the rain back towards the ship. Uh, so you guys make your way quickly through the darkness of the daytime, through the sludgy mud. It takes you a few hours and you finally return back to the Sterling, absolutely exhausted, soaking wet and in quite a bit of pain. Uh, as you enter, you can smell the warmth and deliciousness of one of Rosalind's stews as you finally manage to catch your breath. And we will end it there. It's the first dungeon I've been in, apart from an octocave, and that was well. I mean, admittedly, that wasn't great for me. Do you know what? Going back to the octocave, I'm sorry to completely go back at this, but in that cave there was a manticore, uh, there was a giant calamari, and there was a huge spider. How did they come to share that cave? I, I feel like the DM is about to penalise us for dicking about. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Wait for episode 13. <laughs> it's, an, it's more of a cooking episode. Vanda <laughs> appears in a kitchen. <laughs> We've already had ships and shipping. Now we're going to have, <laughs> I, guess, I guess, cooks and cooking. Yeah. No one would watch a show called Cooks and Cooking. I would absolutely watch that show. Make it and I'll watch it. Vanda's voice de definitely made for a cooking show. <laughs> Gastronauts. <laughs> Gastronauts. <laughs> but something about the tone of Vander's voice would, or you'd always have a suspicion that what you were eating was poisoned. <laughs> Motherfucker. <laughs> this poem, I'm never ever introducing a poem again just for the number of times I have to fucking find the thing. I mean, I think we can all vote in favour of that. Oh, we gave you four haikus, you can't give us one poem. <laughs> You, you all oh, use ChatGPT, you bastards. We gave you four ChatGPT based I did haikus. not use ChatGPT. Yeah, they Mine haven't got that in Mine was a, an original. <laughs> I was kind of hoping for Benny to come in at the end there and just go, Will you two stop fucking talking? <laughs> thought about it. I'm in bits here, you pricks. <laughs> An arrow buries itself <laughs> in Augustus's back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. 
please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon or on Apple Podcasts, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Rules, where the gang look back over previous chapters of the Dice Company story. Don't forget, you can find us on our socials at Dice Company on Blue Sky, at Dice Company Pod on X, and at Dice Company Podcast everywhere else. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. <laughs>